friends, fans, and folks, it's uh, Ryan and Justine from Disney's Follies. And uh, since the time we last uh, we last hung out with you folks, quite a bit is going on in the world for mm-hmm. sure. And probably no times as crazy or uncertain as right now. It's getting kind of scary out there, as you know. There's a uh, something going around that uh, is causing a lot of uh, causing a lot of people to not really know what to do or how to feel. And we hope that you're you're all okay out there as best as you can be because it's affecting so much stuff. It really is. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, so we wanted to add this on to the beginning of this episode here. We filmed, or filmed, <laughs> mm-hmm. we recorded stuff back in like August that so we're just going mm-hmm, through a backlog mm-hmm. of, but we just felt it was important to add onto this right now. Yeah. Especially with like all of the Disney parks being closed for such a long amount of time, the first exactly. time in history mm-hmm. with the, our hearts go out to those college kids that had to get sent home, those mm-hmm. international kids that had to get sent home, mm-hmm. um, the dr- drummers in Japan, the, yeah. um, the band i forget the name of it in in england so mm-hmm. just a lot of just a lot of change and heartbreak suddenly in the disney community and of i think course. that it's been um it's been really hard on a lot of those you people. hit the nail on the head disney disney creates a community and you know when you go to the parks it's it's that thing yeah they could be crowded yeah there's all mm-hmm. kinds of different folks but you feel of a piece with the same thing and it's a shame that something like this is forcing people to say okay we have to step away from our communities um, yeah. you know, obviously stuff like churches and stuff like schools, but, but Disney is, you know, has a, a key importance in most of our hearts. So, yeah. you know, our hearts go out to you. We hope that you, you're doing all the precautions. You're keeping as safe as possible under the circumstances. Yeah, Ryan and I are six work. feet apart right now. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. No. And behind, uh, hazmat, like <laughs> we're in hazmat suits. We're behind bubble screens. Thank God for that Breaking Bad costume. Yeah. It's amazing that we can actually hear each other through these things. <laughs> kind of crazy. But you know, at the end of the day, as we've all sort of seen, there are some advantages I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, being quarantined sucks. Being afraid sucks. But there's a lot to do at home. And we are, of course, now in the era of Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we, we are. We have all kinds of, you can watch your favorite Pixars, your favorite old shows, your favorite DCOMs. Mm-hmm. Um, and one other thing that you can potentially think about doing, we have a new season for you of Disney's Follies. And you can play along. You can watch, you know, movies like The Jungle Book, movies like Sleeping Beauty, 101 yeah. Dalmatians, all classics. Those, all those World War II ones, if you listen to our pod but didn't hear us yeah. or yeah. Didn't, didn't see those, mm-hmm. go back and listen to us and watch those oh, yeah. again. Exactly. You can you know, go... It, I mean... For the first time, this was an amazing thing. We started this podcast. We had to go around and find some of these movies. Now everybody can experience mm-hmm. Disney more at their fingertips than before. And what better way than to uh, hear a couple uh, increasingly tipsy people talk about it, you know? <laughs> exactly so, right. Absolutely. So we hope that you tune into the new season. We hope that you stay safe, but we hope that you make us a part of this time. And, yeah. and hopefully by the time it all rolls out, uh, we'll know a little bit more. Things about, will be yeah. things will be better. But stay inside mm-hmm. if you can. Uh, wash your hands mm-hmm. if you can. Watch you know. out for your loved ones. You know, yeah. make, sure, make sure you're doing your part. Support local think- communities and restaurants, restaurants especially. For sure. You know, if you if you can afford it, buy a gift card now to mm-hmm. eat out there later. Uh, a lot of them, I know in Austin, are doing, like, you can order something normally from places you can't even order from, mm-hmm. and they'll and just pick it up outside. Tip the wait staff that's there, because, guys, they're really, really hurting right now. And, For like, sure. there's a lot of companies who are stepping up and doing good, but, you know, rent still needs to get paid, and, and it's... um. Just just watch out. If you like going to a local spot, just try to support it in any way that you can. I know that um, a cheeky bar I went to in Denver is packaging like all the you know non rum based ingredients for their drinks, and you can just pick up a little Capri Sun almost mixture and add your own rum at home. And so like whatever way 
to support something that you appreciate going to. And mm-hmm. once this is all over, we're mm-hmm. going to need to do a lot to support each other. Absolutely. So it's stay ironic. Safe. Yeah. Well, it's ironic that the disease put, you know, it's been bringing everybody apart, but at the same time, we can't forget we are still part of a community mm-hmm. and we have to think about that more than oh, ever. Oh, are all those Etsy shops that make Disney ears? Yeah, That's you might not have a trip to go to right now, but, you know, maybe you were planning on one that unfortunately got canceled. I know that's happened to me. Mm-hmm. I had two planned um, to visit my sister that was there, and then she's on her way home, so mm-hmm. I'm not going anymore. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe use some of that money that I would have had in Epcot to buy some ears from from a, from a Nazi shop that makes ears. You know what I mean? Like, th- these people are... There's a lot of things that you can yeah, if, you, absolutely. if your heart is so inclined to to do that. Absolutely, so. my wife, my sister-in-law, they have such a great collection of all this Disney Disney stuff that you can, that's made out of love and mm-hmm. made out of effort from from entrepreneurs, self you know self self-made businesses, and uh, can't get them at the parks. And yeah, yeah. we want to keep that life alive too. There's all yeah. kinds of ways to support the Disney fans, you know, mm-hmm. while Disney is trying to handle it as a company. Yeah. And who so, knows, the next uh, Walt out there, the next uh, animator that's trying to work on the thing, writer for a cartoon. Yeah, maybe know? they have the time now and to, to, to work on the next big thing. Exactly, so. but Disney is art, and we do have to think of the artists. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for being wonderful. Um, as we say... Yeah, see you real soon. I'm going to do that. See you real soon again. <laughs> see you real soon. <laughs> I know we got to add that bit. Okay, great. Welcome to Disney's Follies, episode 14. Episode 14. To all of you out there in Radio, Radio Disneyland, Disneyland, we have missed you greatly. <laughs> we have missed yes. you greatly. As you all know, Peter Pan, perhaps some of you are Peter Pan. <laughs> I don't want to go. Classic Disney movie, 1952 or 53? 53, I think it officially came out. This is the height. I mean, this is Disney's decade. This is Disney's decade. Decade of Disney. Mm -hmm. Disneyland is about to be a thing. A couple years. Two more years. He's well in the midst of planning it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Peter Pan um, is a project that that began in the 30s, but is a part of the Disney Renaissance Mm -hmm. in the 50s, post Cinderella, a project that they thought, oh, this has really taken off. This is a story we can really make a great motion picture. Right. This is a deeply problematic film. Those redskins know this island better than I do my own ship. We realize, yeah. you know, it's it, it, it's in the realm of the classic movies. It's the early fifties. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, this is a beloved movie from mm-hmm. like Disney people. Like, and, and Disney's rocked back into action around this time in the in the list. Oh yeah, for sure. A lot of the things that happen in the movie Peter Pan become part of like Disney blood. Like, yeah, absolutely. The Im- images and, and characters and, and and themes deeply right. embedded in the whole fabric right. of the Disney thing. I mean, you know, it's funny because when we started out, you know, all those early classics, you know, we talk so much about how he was trying to, you know. He he was really working from the ground up and struggling to get it all together mm-hmm. and it was always mm-hmm. high stakes and then you know the whole war patch where yep. everything is kind of not exactly going his yeah. way this is the first one of the first stretches in the in the disney movie you know kind of sequence mm-hmm. where you know there's not a lot of doubt about no. Disney. and he has a little bit of like his name to play with yeah he's got some momentum he's mm-hmm. got some fame mm-hmm. he is definitely a beloved figure and right. the films follow suit this one is it follows alice in wonderland and right but was originally supposed to follow snow white precisely 
precisely. We've talked about these two because they make their appearance in Pinocchio when mm-hmm. Jiminy Cricket goes on the shelf, mm-hmm. and here are these two mm-hmm. movies that take 12 years to come out Well, and, war and a lot of that is, yeah, yeah, yeah stuff yep. that we've been through. All but, this like, stuff. this is a movie that touched Walt at a young age. Like, he saw an early production of it, fell in love with it, fell in love with the magic of theater, and that's, like, one of the things that kind of inspired, like, yes, obviously, looking back, a lot of things are like, oh, he saw this, that inspired him. Oh, he saw this, that inspired him. It's really hard to say. Like, mm-hmm. if, if Ryan and I ever become the Disney of our day, which we won't, no. but if you did, you would look back on certain things of being like, oh, yes, clearly this one thing, this one time seeing this one yes. play inspired him. Clicked or, it like, into, yeah, yeah action. May, the maybe whole, that's the, the case, theme. but, like, he saw this play, thought it was cool because he was a seven-year-old kid and it was, yeah. a, it was a cool play. Kids flew. Look at me, way up high, suddenly here am I yeah, what's not to like? Exactly. I think of, like, you think of, you know, say Steven Spielberg, right? A, sure. a, a guy that's sure, very sure. good at communicating to, like, a kind of a younger generation. With and I feel the like wonder. a modern day, like, Walt Disney. Well, I was going to say, like, you, you imagine Steven Spielberg sitting in the theater watching Ooh. a Pinocchio, mm-hmm. or watching a thing and being really inspired. Yeah. Why don't we go ahead yeah, and turn back the clock? Let's go back to history. So. Mm-hmm. We, we are famous for getting our history a little smudgy. And so. We tried really hard to make sure we got the history of this one correct. Exactly. At turn of the century, J.M. Barry kind of comes to prominence as a writer. He's a Scottish guy living in England, a bit of a loner, a bit reticent, a bit peculiar, but he's been writing from a young age. And his novels start to take off in the early 20th century, but Peter Pan, um, I mean, if you know J.M. Barry. If you're, whether you're sort of casually or intimately familiar with his stuff, Peter Pan kind of is the one big work. Yeah, exactly right. And, and there are multiple versions. He was mm-hmm. a playwright and a play called Peter Pan, The Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up. And that had its first stage performance in late uh, 1904. 1904, right, exactly. The, the Peter Pan story had actually been kicked around throughout J.M. Barry's other literature because he did oh, yeah, alternate the, the between writing fiction and mm-hmm. writing drama. Um, the very first appearance of Peter Pan is in a book called uh, The Little White Bird. Yes. I think it was called. Yes, it was. It's a section. I guess it's kind of an episodic novel, they say. And there's this little section. And eventually that was republished Mm -hmm. two years later as a separate story called Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens. Because I guess he saw the potential. But to me, it kind of sounds like, you know how like a lot of writers in the turn Mm -hmm. of the century submitted short stories that were like episodic? Yeah. Like the serialized thing. Yeah. So I I don't know if England did that, but this story, because it is such a short story, seems Mm -hmm. like it was one of those released like... I guess I can't even tell what the little white bird is about based on the description. Okay, but it so seems like a kind of dreamlike Okay, novel. so what it's saying is like, and the way it starts is like, it's so like, well, obviously, all babies are part bird, part baby when they were born until they were about two That was Jane Barry's big so, conceit, yeah. So this little boy was still mostly part bird, did not want to be with his nanny, and mm-hmm. flew, started to fly away. Mm. Now this original Peter Pan is, is a seven-day-old baby. Yeah. He is a baby. A persevering chap to come along and drop a bundle in your lap. You may be poor or maybe. So very different than the, the Peter Pan we know. And started flying away. Never aged up since then. Stayed seven days old. Like I said, it's a short story. Right. I, I didn't look too much into it, to be honest. Well, it's some crazy stuff happens, and it seems like he goes to a kind of a prototypical Neverland filled with fairies. And what happens is he gets word that his mom has had another baby and doesn't love him anymore. In the seven-year-old one? Yep. Or yep. seven-day-old one? Yep, yep. And so he oh. goes back to London, dejected, and meets a little girl named Mamie, and that's the prototype for Wendy. Oh. And I guess they start out some stuff. But it's a short, weird story. Now, yeah. obviously, J.M. Barry couldn't get over the idea 
idea of this boy that couldn't grow up. And the funny thing is that's, oh, the, that's well, the subtitle of the play, like you said. Well, and not just that. He was from a big family, and he was one of the younger sons. Mm-hmm. And he had an older brother whom he really admired. His name was David, wasn't it? David. And that older brother was in an ice skating type of accident. Right. A lot, it's a wonderful life, but badly. Right. And he, he perished. The mother was so distraught because that was her favorite, which um, maybe back in the day that were a little more front forward facing with their favorites. (laughs) Sure. Um, You really had to earn your parents' affection. I don't know my mom's current favorite. She has multiple kids. They change Um, up. Like, she was like, to the point where like, this poor J.M. Barry would wear his older brother's clothing and his mother was so distraught that she would be like, David, if that's his name, is that you? And he's like, no mother, I... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to 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 bring your hopes up. It's wow. actually me, JM. And she's like, oh, what at a least dick thing to do. At, no, no, to no. Mom. No, he was trying to. Oh, comfort he was trying her. to help her. And then wow. she was like, No, I know it's not really you. Yeah. I know, but I know. There's one. The one comfort I have is that David gets to stay a little boy forever. Obviously stuck with JM because his mother didn't give a shit about him. Yeah. Excuse me. So he's trying to please his mother. He obviously has to live up to his other brother's ideal, which he's never going to live up to because. Because right. he always gets to say this pristine angel yeah. where J.M. has to grow up. But he was struck by that idea of the of the preservation of youth. It's interesting, this idea of a kid that's, you know, meets a tragic fate and is a kid forever in that sense. Mm. This idea of it both being really sad, but also a weird form of consolation. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I, mean, I don't have any kids. You don't have any kids. No. So it's... Um... But yeah, the mother mentions that too, like that he'll be a kid for me mm-hmm. when I'm I'm there. And I, I, I do feel like that that is a common thing in a lot of faiths. Mm-hmm. Where, like, if, heaven forbid, a child passes, while the mother or the parents or the siblings may age, that one will not age and stay the same, Mm -hmm. and then it is able to be taken care of once we're in the afterlife. and it's an interesting... So, yeah, I could definitely see how a mother who's lost their child, how that can be so comforting. Yeah, I suppose. It's like, you know, because you you treasure the memory that you have, and so you you have to imagine their life not stopping in some way. You have to imagine them kind of continuing to exist. But also, like, but also... So weirdly freezing so that you could sure. still be there. That yeah. preservational element. That actually. they stay a child for you mm-hmm. to be able to like let you be a mother for them. Yeah, it, right. it's a very complicated thing and I can only, I mean, especially back in the turn of the century where mm. like, where postpartum was kind of just shushed under the rug, like yeah. I can only imagine what the and pain that that woman time. had to hide all the time. Right, right, And exactly. what kind of effect that would have on a younger sibling like mm. JM for exactly. sure. But what strikes me too is this whole Peter Pan concept Ugh. has this well, we'll get into the sort of the ickiness of it, but it has this other dimension of you know, that that troublesome period where you have to sort of graduate from quote-unquote youth to Mm quote-unquote adulthood and all the complications that come with that. Now, this is very much a thread of the whole Walt Disney thing. Oh, for sure. These qualities we lose that are are good for us as kids in the transition to adulthood. And I feel like he really straddled that line. Like, he Mm -hmm. obviously was very childlike in the fact of he let his imagination rule a lot of what was going to happen for his career. He didn't feel quite so cowed by limits. This is a pixie bell. The sound is much too high for human ears. Like, he stepped up enough to realize that there was, like, to pursue my childish dreams, there needs to be work that needs to you be done. You have to be smart. So you have to partner a good with people like And not Roy just Disney that, but and, then, like, mm-hmm, his brother mm-hmm. had to grow up. He didn't get the luxury of having that Peter Pan streak. Right. Was able to pull him along. The Wendy, so to speak, mm-hmm. of the story. Exactly. I see your shadow for you. Oh, I do hope it isn't rumpled. 
you and know. it's admirable to have a childlike quality or Peter Pan-esque streak, but it if that's be. your whole personality, right. that can be very detrimental. Like, there's a whole saying where, like, for example, people in your family or, like, whatnot, like, I've heard it in mine, mm-hmm. of, like, having Peter Pan syndrome. I don't want to do this is something that uh, I read Joni Mitchell said in an interview once about kind of the, the hippie mentality. Oh, and yeah. Oh, it can be yeah, a very, for sure. It can be a very attractive philosophy, but you see how there was a stagnating element, a kind of a refusal to cope with reality that made right. an unsavory element of these things. Right. And, so, and so basically a Peter Pan syndrome or Peter Pan mm-hmm. went on is like the, you know, an adult, unfortunately, that, Ryan, I'm sorry, an adult male who refuses to grow I'm up. Sure. I'm sorry um, for my gender. Gender, species, yeah, yeah, no, whatever. Exactly. Um, I feel like I don't hear Hear the Peter Pan trope labeled towards women who quote unquote refuse to grow. No, up. sure. It, it, there's a there's a boyish, a specifically boy element. I think when yeah. you think of that kind of arrested adolescence, yeah, where it's that privilege and that you know boys can be lazy and boys can, can don't really... say boys can be boys. No, mm-hmm. I, I think it's better if they stop gradually, if we phase out them yeah. being boys. But yeah. Anyway, like, you hear that trope, and I feel, like, I hope that it's something that's fading out, that yeah. I hope that, like, when you and I, not when, not when you and I mm-hmm. have kids... But like when we have when, our when gender our, non-binary kids that are no, completely no. active from when a beautiful level. When you and level, your wife, like, and yeah. then if my and my boyfriend ever have mm-hmm. kids, like I hope that we're just like, ugh, yeah, so and so is not growing up because they have Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah. I hope that that trope is gone. By I hope then. so. I hope my because Peter Pan syndrome is gone. Probably. You, by the you time know, I here's have it. here's the thing. You're very much like you understand that work needs to be done. Sure. You load sixteen tons. What do you get? No, you know what I'm like, Justine, is I'm like I'm like John. My name is John. How do you do? I shall try to be worthy of my post. I'm like yes. John Darling. I'm Aww, dressed up honey. in the top hat oh, and the glasses just to hide the fact that I'm a little boy. Oh. I have to no, I, I have least, to say but at this, least you're so. trying to be a No, man. it's true. I agree with you. As opposed to like me, 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 me. No, I'm not no, I'm not gonna settle to just be a you know, a boy in a skunk outfit. Yeah, that's my favorite um, impression. But I do have to shout out what John of it? Darling. No, I won't have it. You should whip that out more because he does me, sound me, like me, 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 I'm Peter Pan. That's yeah, basically listen to yeah. me. Me, 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 me. He does sound a little like Beaker. No, Beaker is awesome because no, he's a true. scientist. That's right. Peter Pan Beaker has a... a PhD. Peter Pan is Jack. Ser- so. Serious. Like, let's hope that there's like a path that John grows on. Yes. And he get, he sees how Wendy is a strong female and follows right. in that path yes. instead of the and, path. And supports and the his suffragette mother. movement. And his mother. His mother is a pretty B.A. woman. <laughs> And let's say he follows that path and is a decent effing human being or whatever the party is there. New Deal Democrat. Well, a Labour Party. It's the Labour Party, right? Were they they the Labour Party? I don't don't know. British friends that were alive in the 1920s. Yeah, is the Labour Party like Democrats or is the Labour Party like... Labour Party is closer to Democrats. I mean, maybe really? like to I like the left the or Democrats. No, the, it's Labour's and the Tories are the conservative ones. Is that still a thing? Boy, we're really, 
We love to do that. Peter Pan. Peter oh, gosh. Pan. Peter Pan. So yeah, so uh, you know, um, there's a lot of similarities. I want to just kind of cover Mr. Barry because oh, you know yes. we got to kind of get that. in and out of his whole thing. Yeah, let's um, do a lot of Barry. Okay, <clears throat> so we really the, touched on how creeptastic Alice in Wonderland's author was. Well, it's a very, it's an oddly similar situation without being so creeptastic. So you can brace yourselves a little less. So tightly. yeah, so listeners, I want to ask you the question of like on what you think answer the her scale immediately. Is. Go ahead. Yeah, answer immediately once I post this. Do you think he's just as creepy as the, I can't even think Carol? Who is Carol? As Carol, medium creepy. Like what level of creepy do you think? Who wins the creep? Barry the is creep after off. you hear some of this stuff and maybe do some research on your own. I did a lot of it just because we touched so much on mm-hmm. Carol and I did not realize how Carol was. It really threw me for a loop. Yeah. So I wanted to really make sure I covered my bases. It's, true, with it's Barry. all speculative, but unfortunately, some. I mean, with Lewis Carroll, definitely it edges into territory that's that's tricky. J.M. Barry's a little less conclusive. The the big similarity is that he also was a good friend without having a specific relationship with a particular wealthy family that had children. And it was his relationship with those children, right? With telling them stories and stuff that kind of fostered the creative spark. I found that on Wikipedia, so Mm -hmm. um, please... Yeah, Good donate friend. to Wikipedia for all their extensive <laughs> knowledge. Whenever they give you that little thing, click so, yes. Don't um, click what I do with the X. He, <laughs> yeah. he was born in Scotland. He was visiting Kensington Gardens, which I'm, I'm kicking now that when I went to London, I didn't really explore you didn't see Kensington Gardens. Well, you I, could I have seen a seven-day-old baby flying around. I think we did, but we didn't like explore. It to, I didn't mm. see the statue. So there's well, you went statu- to the Globe. That was the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> there's a statue now, of, or there's a statue there like of Peter Pan, Peter Pan. as modeled as one of the Davis children, but uh, it's debated on. And which there one. was a yeah, the, the Llewellyn Davies but, family, and and there was a Peter. The story that the go- good doctor played in that movie with uh, Amber Heard's ex. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry, I was so horrible. It's just I thought she'd always be here. So did I. But in fact, she is. The yeah. story goes that he was like kind of maybe a little flirty with the maid mm-hmm. and then like playing with the children of like raising his eyebrows and making silly faces and the two older children really like were drawn to that obviously because it's a, a grown man making silly faces. What baby yes. isn't? Don't let be silly. We've all done he that. He had to, some striking here's eyebrows. Here's the thing. We've all done that to babies. Oh yes. Babies. I mean I, babies love my face. Babies love my face. And I always feel validated by that. I'm like Me okay. Me too. Thank you. My always thing is like because I have such pale skin and dark hair my thing is like oh yeah, babies like me because they're contrast because they can't see colors a whole lot. Mm, yeah, that's right. So right. they're seeing super, super white, super, super dark. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's why they respond to my face so well. Barry had a crazy big head. He has a crazy big Yeah, eyebrows. British people, dark hair, pale skin yeah. for sure. I just wanted to say real quick, they were the Lewin Davis boys, which... L- Llewellyn Davis. Okay, but like... Yeah, boys. Sure. But like, did you see the movie with Oscar Isaacs? Inside Lewin Davis? Yeah. Is that... I, I looked. I, I scoured Coen Brothers shit. Is... The, that's, did they take that name from him? It's very close, but I think it's... No, it's, but it's spelled the same but way. it's Davies. Not Davis. It's the Davies. The Lewin oh, Davies that, family. stupid eye. Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, it's stupid eye. Fare thee well. Whatever. It's I don't know, enough. but I highly... I mean, that's a great movie. So I titled this section of my notes the Inside the Lewis, Lewin Davis Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was being I mean, clever. I, I stand anyway. Oscar Isaac, okay. and I stand... So there were five John Lewin Davis Boys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, they, Dewey. They, Dewey. <laughs> Dewey. <laughs> 
they they met John Barry in the early 1900s, and then he was inspired by them mm-hmm. to write the play. Did not write a novel yet. The play about Peter Pan, the boy who wouldn't grow up, and the little white bird. And those were the two kind of stories. Those became super popular plays. In that same time where they became super popular plays, the father passed away in 1905. So 1904, the play came out. 1905, he died. And then they they were living in the country at the time. When the father died, they moved back with the mother to London proper. Mm. I'm assuming because, like, her parents were there and they had, like, more of a support system. Mm -hmm. But then she contracted some disease and died in 1910. So five days later, or five years later. So... By then, J.M. Barry, I'm going to say weaseled, which maybe unfairly is an adjective. Yeah, what are you basing that on? Weaseled his way (laughs) into the family. The fact that it's creepy. Okay, so they were from, they had other prominent authors in their family and other Mm. well-to-do people Mm. that could have taken the role that J.M. Barry did that were actually blood. My understanding is that he spent a great deal of time around. He spent a... the mom, and, and that her will, in fact, designated specifically a, a sort of a faith in his ability to take sure. custody. Now, who but, knows about forgeries and stuff like that? Exactly but, right. Um, but I didn't see a lot of real intense speculation that was evidence-based that J.M. Barry had bad intentions. Now, do you know that the youngest boy okay. commented on it? No. So there's five boys. Right. The boys are <clears throat> George, Jack, Peter, Michael, and, and Nico. Gummo. And who? Nico. Oh, Nico. Nicholas. Mm. So, I'm going to start by the boys in order. George. George was the oldest. Mm -hmm. He was the most dapper, if you look at his Wikipedia. He was super, super good looking. The father character Mm -hmm. in in Peter Pan was named after him, George Darling. Where are those cufflinks? Mm. He and Michael were the closest to Barry. Michael is the fourth of the kiddos. Okay, okay. We go to Michael. So the oldest was um, really close to him, so he would have met him before. He was one of the ones that inspired J.M. to write Peter Pan. Sure. Whenever J.M. was telling the stories, apparently uh, when anything bad would happen or when someone would perish in the stories, uh, uh, George was credited with saying that to die would be an awfully big adventure, mm. which is severely tragic because yes. if anyone knows any history, around 1914 to 1918, there was this little thing called World War, World War One. Oh yes. And George was enlisted and he did die in combat in Belgium. Yeah, did you see these wars at, never seem to really make anything work out. At yeah, 21 yeah. years old. So yeah, he sucks. tragically told Barry that to die would be an awfully big adventure and, and died himself that young. And wow. was, was like super, super cute. Yeah, super cute dapper, for apparently. Apparently. Yeah, very, very dapper. How dare they? So the next son is Jack. Kaiser and all that. Jack was the only one of the oldest to really resent Barry. So he also joined the services. And uh, he had a little bit scandalous of kind of a thing. Mm. He shacked up with this Hungarian artist for a while against Barry's approval. And they wrote a novel together where she illustrated it. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and that, but he did not marry her once the war was over or whatnot. He married this one novel and he was out. This 19 year old girl named Gary and er, uh, Geraldine. Oh. And Gary and the the nanny, the nursemaid, did not get along. They fought each other. Mm. So since they were the ones married, Barry was like, "Here, here's your parents' house. I, I give you charge of this. Like I'm, I'm still footing the bill, but I give you charge of your younger siblings. Uh-huh. Here's the nanny, yada yada." But the wife and the nanny did not get along, so the nanny ended up leaving. Oh dear! And um, they had two children. 
And he died uh, 65 years old due to lung cancer. Oh. But he always... distrusted Barry. He didn't. He okay. resented. It could be because of that, the fact that he was like, you're not letting me marry a 19-year-old. I'm 19. I want to get married. Who knows? Well, maybe Who at least knows? one of these kids was kind of like, who's this weird guy that's suddenly my dad? Well, a couple of them. Sure. The third is Peter. Peter! So at the, the time of, at the time of the Kensington Gardens meeting, Peter was the one in the pram. He was a little baby. Mm. So Peter was obviously the name that he took. Mm-hmm. Peter, he grew up and ended up having children. One of his children is quoted as saying, My father had mixed feelings about the whole business of Peter Pan. He accepted that Barry considered that he was the inspiration for Peter Pan when some speculate that was kind of his older siblings because they were older. Mm. And it was only reasonable that my father should inherit something or everything from Barry. Um, that was my father's expectation. It would have been decent of Barry pretty much to do so because he was struggling his whole life. Like mm. when he met people, people People knew who he was and that he was like the inspiration for Peter Pan, but he wasn't getting any compensation from it. You can see. However, Barry provided for all these children, sent them to decent, if not decent, uh, Mm. spectacular schools. Kept them from marrying Hungarians Uh, and various things um, of that nature. But took care of them during life. And then when when Barry passed, he left his will. His will said that he would leave all the um, royalties from Peter Pan to a certain children's hospital. And this Peter was kind of like, he hated being Peter Pan his whole life, mm. but then also was like expecting some conversation, which I kind of like, if you stole my identity, dude, <laughs> I feel like I deserve at, know, least, at least 25%. That's the name that's good for the alliteration, you know? And you not can't just have that, Jack but, Pan or anything like but that, or I, Georgie Pan. I, I at least should get some percent. I'm not saying 100%, but at least some it right seems like a complicated sort of ethical it was very and, it was very complicated thing. but well you know what's interesting is you just maybe real quick think of like you know given that there was an alice that was a middle child in the family that lewis carroll got close to sure. i don't remember reading about how she felt about the fame i feel like oh, it was oh, a more that's positive women's, thing women's feelings didn't matter oh that's right then. they didn't document this yeah much, right, um really well. men could just gripe on man. record yeah yeah that was probably on page two yeah Fanboy, ambivalent about fame. So he was gathering a lot of his family papers and letters and whatnot, and mm. he assembled them all and called that collection the Morgue, according to Wikipedia. That's bleak. He had documentation that dealt with things that we're going to touch on in the next brother, but he actually ended up committing suicide. Ah. Because it... You know, probably his feelings of Peter and not getting the uh, monetary value he felt he deserved. He started drinking a lot more and his alcoholism and ill health contributed to his... And then apparently, I don't know if this is true, I didn't see this anywhere else, so it, it says that he felt guilty about that his wife and three kids contracted Huntington's disease. But I checked his wife's mm. and his kids' death dates, and they didn't seem like hunting, Huntington's disease seems I think pretty quick. I catch and contagiously. And it seems pretty quick, and they died a lot later than him, so I don't know how true that is. I think sometimes it can be a rapid deterioration. Anyway, somebody who's the, and the last nail in the coffin is the newspapers reported his death, and they referred to him as Peter Pan, oh, which is probably the last thing that guy wanted. So <clears throat> yeah. he had a rough go. For so sure. when you think of him, don't think of him as Peter Pan. Think of him as the guy that accidentally got his family Huntington's disease. and Or possibly. Right. And was, you know, maybe a very good, like, swimmer. We don't know. Ugh, speaking of swimmer. Uh-oh. Michael is the next one. Ah, little oh, Michael. Poor Michael. Poor So obviously Michael. named... Uh, at, uh, the, the, the boy was named the boy for Michael this Michael. The boy Michael was named for this Michael. Hi, Michael. Um, the butt flat boy. The... 
Yeah. So Barry's favorites, according to the youngest brother, were Michael and George. Did he just like like draw little hearts around their name in his like journals? Or how do they know they were his okay. favorite? Well, I, it's the youngest one, sure. so he probably had a little bit of resentment. But according to the youngest boy, which you haven't talked about yet, Michael, this boy, and George, the the old eldest, were uh, Jay and Barry's favorites. So poor Michael. Poor Michael. That's all I wrote in my notes. Oh, look how I'm cute just, he is with uh, his little comb Super over. cute. And not just that, go to the Wikipedia page and look at the early life of of him oh, dressed as Peter Pan. It is an adorable photograph. I want that little boy. He is in I'm rags adopt and that little pointing boy, defiantly. And he could have played the role. I want to coddle that little boy. He is... I'm looking at his death date. Okay, wait. Okay. So, he was he was one of the closest ones to Barry. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was he he was born in 1900, so he was Obviously. only four when then ten when his uh, or five and ten when his parents passed. So Barry was kind of the only father that he knew. Yeah. Um. He went he went to prestigious schools because Barry took care of that. Mm. He he was very close to a man named Rupert Buxton. Buxton. And they became inseparable, spending time at university and holiday together. Oh, I see where this is going. Um, Buxton was a poet and interested in acting and was one of the few friends of Davies whom Barry approved of. Um, In an interview with another schoolmate, that schoolmate said that he had been a close friend of Michael's during college and that he had spoken about Michael and Buxton's relationship. And when he was asked if Michael was homosexual, this this gentleman said that it was a phase and he might have come out of it. Saying that I don't think that he had any Michael had any girlfriends. Our relationship was not homosexual, but I believe it was between him and so and so. Oh, I see. And that so and so being Buxton. And um, I just you know the thing that I keep drawing from all this is this whole idea of J.M. Barry like everyone bringing their friends to him in like his office and be like, do you approve of this one? And him like putting down a stamp is all this like. Well, here's the thing though, like if you're if you're ten and that's your guardian, like this is sure. your thing, like maybe and expect. I don't know what London was like. I don't know how accepting it was back then. Yeah. But it seems like there's a lot of these. Like I was actually. Listening to the David Tennant episode about, um, what's his name? The, the Gandalf guy. What's his Ian McKellen? Yes. About how much Sir Ian, McKellen, Ian McKellen, like, was, he gravitated towards the theater yeah. in, his, in the higher English oh, sure. colleges because that's where the other gay men were. Oh. How do I act so well? And that they had, he he wasn't ever sure about who he could trust about what hmm. he could do. And I can only imagine in the 1900s, if, if poor Michael was yeah. actually, right, and if Barry was actual, and then both of them being hmm. that close and being able to be like, yes, I approve of your relationship with this man. If his actual father was still alive, he wouldn't have had this acceptance. Hmm. Anyway, let me, let me we continue. We have one more boy to go, right? Well, and let me continue before we get oh. this heartwarming. What thing. happened to Michael? So, he was flying. Uh, Michael's birthday. He and Buxton, his rumored um, partner, were at a pool swimming, and the closeness of them was um, the closeness of them combined with the uncertain circumstance of their death led to the speculation that they had died in a suicide pact. Oh, they were swimming. It was always it was rumored that Buxton, his 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 partner, who, for lack of the story, was an Bo excellent fan. swimmer, but mm. that Michael was not. He was Uh-oh. afraid of water, and that they had been swimming in this lake or whatnot. And when they were found, they were found together, clasped, 
sometimes reported as tied together. Oh my. So, um... So that could have been, like, a hate crime. His brothers, who were still alive, like I said, the older one, Peter, when he was going through a lot of stuff, he found letters that kind of indicated that this was leaning towards the suicide for Michael. Sure. So he was 20 years old when That's that... That's terrible. ...when he uh, decided to end his life, unfortunately. I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't kill yourself. You should always reach out. But if you're under 25, I mean, my gosh, come on. Go for a walk. It's yeah, wonderful out. if you're a cute little gay man, live yeah. forever. You should look at this kid on Wikipedia and his comb over. So and in his little Peter Pan outfit. And then so the we last, have one more damn The last little boy was Nicholas, boy. Nico, and he actually adjusted really well. He was, well, and my theory well, he is... He joined the Velvet Underground. He was never mentioned in the books. He was never mentioned in the Disney movie. No. He was never mentioned in anything. Nope. He just got to reap the benefits of, like, he worked for his brother's, like, publishing company. Like, Peter and, and Barry opened a company that Peter took care of until Peter's timed death from mm-hmm. himself. Nico took care of that. Nico lived till his eighties. Had 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 a nice wife. Had nice kiddos. And is not mentioned in like any other like Lost Boys or like Jam Barry or Finding Neverland kind of stuff because he's the youngest kid and who cares about the youngest kid? So, sure. but he kind of like. Sorry, Amy. No, no, no. Who cares about the youngest fifth kid? Right, right. No, that's true. That's true. Um. He lived the longest. He had yeah. like out of the five of them, he had the best run. Also, just like a quick. Quick little, like, downer shout-out. Like, there's a national suicide hotline. Please call that number. We will make that available on our Instagram feed if you are feeling not loved in your own skin. Yeah, man. Um, There's plenty, plenty more resources than we can even begin to name Mm -hmm. right now that you should reach out to. I'm just going to say, like, follow any of the current Queer Eye guys. Oh, yeah. And find some information on them if you're feeling down, especially if you're like Michael and... Not feeling like it's safe to be in your own skin. Right. Please follow them. Please know that Ryan and I will love the shit out of you. Well, call and us up after the queer eye. Seriously, and, and, and if the suicide hotline is down, send us a message. I might be asleep because I go to sleep super early, but, but she will I will call also, you in the morning. If you just I will on. message you in the morning yeah. the minute I see it. Mm-hmm. So get if, to a safe place. If you get need someone that you feel That's a kinship to, to talk to mm-hmm. and are afraid to talk to that suicide line, please, please feel free to reach out to us. That yeah. is. Disney's just, follies will help you. Just a, a short little yeah. piece of If you PSA. feel like a fuck up, don't worry. We are fuck ups. Oh, too. God, honey, we Beautiful are bigger fuck ups. ups than you will ever dream to be. I'm going to blow my nose real quick and cut this blow all out. Blow it. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway, so Creeper Scale for me, I thought Jam Barry would be a lot worse. I even said it in the Alice in Wonderland episode, but it's after researching. Episode. Yeah, right. yeah, after researching a little bit more, yes, yeah, still a fucking Creeper. But maybe, like, not a 10 like I thought, maybe just a 5. It's just less conclusive. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you got to draw your own speculation about this stuff. But let's get into, because the thing is, you (laughs) know, there's this. Yeah, turn of the century. Everybody's, you know, dead and gay and all these Kids, you can listen to this part Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) Now it's the sunny 50s, and here we have Bobby Driscoll. He found comfort in recreational drug use. He was later arrested for crimes of burglary and possession. Okay. Bobby, if Kids, only never mind. Go get, like, no. go, go to the bathroom Get a quick. Lunchable. Go wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Eat a mozzarella stick. Um, the ill-fated Bobby, oh, Driscoll, Bobby Driscoll. Getting his number after Catherine Beaumont knocks it out of the park. We have a lot of returning players from yes, we do. Alice in Wonderland. We yes. have the very talented, uh, very, very uh, distinguished sounding Catherine Beaumont, who my theory is that like Lord, she's secretly 40 and that she actually lived to like 100 or so and just looked really good. because she, One looks fantastic in the 1997 like making a Peter Pan movie 
movie mm-hmm. that we watched. Mm-hmm. Two, sounds so mature. Her addiction is incredible. It is but to I die for. But I feel like for. she even grew from Alice to Wendy. Like, she sounds so much more mature between those two. Sure. And, and she even said herself that it was a quick turnaround. One can't leave his shadow lying about and not miss it sooner or later. Uh, don't you agree? But what I still don't understand is how Nana got it in the first place. She really isn't... Oh, sit down. It won't take long. British women know how to sound mature. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a developmental age, you know, where you're, you're really kind of brushing into being older. But I, I do think she has a unique, distinguished quality. And, and she's got great comic timing. And oh. so we love Catherine Beaumont. She's amazing. We also have the White Rabbit. Oh, dear, 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 Kaepernick. Shooting a man in the middle of his cadenza? is Mr. Smee. Exact same voice, Bill Thompson. And then uh, a lady named... Oh, what is her name? I have it right here. I think it's Heather Angel. Playing a darling. Uh, At the beginning of the film, Alice in Wonderland playing the older sister, the kind of demure, nondescript older sister. And now she is the demure, nondescript... It's like the opposite of the mom in Mary Poppins, where rather than causing a big ruckus, Mm. she's like, everything's fine, don't worry about it. Yeah, but you can totally see it as like the same kind of model of like... It's like a cheap Cinderella. Although you you said like opposite of the mom and Peter and uh, Mary Poppins. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she was like, she was not afraid to be like, oh yes, honey, you're right. Right away. Wendy deserves her own room. She was just like, there, there, dear. We'll talk right. about in the morning. Like she. Totally brushing held, them off. Totally yeah, holding her own. She knew she wore the piece yeah. in the family, mm-hmm. which I feel like is like, okay, good on you. Good Between on you. her, Wendy and Nana, a very strong woman-centric family. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Even though Nana's position is, is terribly exploitative. Yes. Poor Nana. And smart in the fact that, like, they let the men of their time think that they were really the ones in charge. It's true. Which Wendy does to Peter, for sure. I do want to talk about Nana, too, though, because the, yeah. the whole thing where this big Newfoundland dog that um, so cute. they obviously uh, are skimping on paying her because you don't <laughs> have to pay dogs. Mm-hmm. You can just dress them up as servants and sort of train them to do what's what. Yeah, that's so what that's terrible. Do. How dare you? I'm surprised she wasn't <laughs> Irish dog. <laughs> but between Driscoll and we'll, we'll just a couple other actors that are a little bit newer, Hans Conried uh, is the name of the the person that plays both George Darling and Captain Hook. There's oh the yeah, continuity just between characters. Follows the the stage play. One awesome. of the great, I think, little comic performances in a Disney movie. I mean, he's he's very um, yeah. That leaves a mark. Poppycock. Poppycock. So that's a great character. And then a couple kids that we don't remember as John and Michael. You see, he's Peter Pan. And John's Captain Hook. Yes, yes. And Bobby Boy as... Uh, and then a, a fellow named Candy Candido plays the chief. And he was oh. famous for a kind of a catchphrase. I'll insert right here. I'm feeling mighty low. And a very low voice. And then the, the squaw, if I... I don't know if I'm going to actually say that, but the Native American wife oh, yes. stereotype that appears is actually... She's got one or two lines. She's played by June Foray, who's Rocky and Bullwinkle. And Boy, that's hard work. Oh, All cool. those fun. So, All so right. the great June Foray. So a couple people... But, um, you know, not too much. And shall we talk a little bit about the animation? Because this was the last movie that the nine old men... I know. It feels like we just started. I know. You gotta think. So this is 1952. Mm -hmm. The eldest of the nine old men Mm -hmm. have been working since 27. So, like, yeah. They've been there kind of since the start. If the gosh darn war wasn't in the way, the nine old men would have had more time 
been moderately together. young, or they would have been sort of um, like you know creeping up. I, there I don't know who did who in this. One. I know Mark I do. Davis did. This uh, is the beautiful thing. Bell. I wrote it all down. Oh, because of the book I got. Isn't that one? No, I did. I I really enjoy this book. There's some great tidbits. So let's talk about a couple of these folks. Now we haven't really talked about the nuances of each nine old man, and I know that most of the people that are listening probably kind of have even maybe a better well, idea. And it's not just that it's hard to explain their nuances in podcast form. Oh like, sure. Honestly, like you want to look at the clips. You want to you want to pause us. Once mm-hmm. we say a name, look up their drawing mm-hmm. styles, and then you can see kind of what kinda we're talking about. Kind of exactly. Because it's hard to kind of explain the nuances of them. It's hard to explain in a voice Because medium. it's visual, yeah, there are some things that are uncapturable by words. Yeah. Like sunsets. Sure. Which they were very good at. You could just say Tequila Sunrise, <laughs> no, that's, sunset, well, that, that's in my opinion, but whatever. true. It's another Tequila Sunrise. <laughs> we already talked. Okay, so um, let's let's start with. Why don't we start with a dichotomy? Okay. You've got your Milt Call, and okay. you've got your Ward Kimball. Ward Kimball, you know, everybody's sort of favorite because yeah. he looks like a cartoon character. He really. And does. he's got the personality that's kind of, of just a cartoon like, character. Mm-hmm. May I introduce to you one of my new best friends, whose name is Ward Kimball, and this is his backyard. He's got a thousand feet of railroad track, and he's got every toy train that's ever been made. And he used to work for Walt Disney, and he invented Jiminy Cricket and lots of other stuff, and he won Emmy Awards and Oscar Awards, and he's certifiable. <laughs> so, it, so who did they animate? Well, well, so so now Kimball on this one around is chief and stuff like that. So it's mm. funny. He's he's a bit responsive. Now, it, it's it, is it great fun kind of like visually entertaining animation? No, but you can totally tell. Like they have the same nose as the cat in Cinderella. Right, but I mean, like a very cartoony type character. Ward Kimball was known for that. Now Milt Call had coveted working on some of the other characters, but he was assigned Peter and Wendy, and he was sort of oh. he started to grumble about how he sort of didn't get the fun characters and Ward Kimball's line was but you're so good at that boring stuff so, <laughs> <laughs> well, so Milt bit well, his lip and did you know the, the, the normies if I remember correctly when I I don't know if I've talked about this I had the privilege of going to the Walt Disney Family Museum mm-hmm. during the time that there was a Nine Old Men exhibit mm. like honestly I might say the, what drove me to actually pay the admission price was mm. to do the Nine Old Men exhibit because of this podcast and it, if I remember remember correctly and I might be wrong this mill character was a very shy man and he preferred like when he wasn't working to go just quietly fishing mm. do his own thing mm. so that kind of makes sense that he would have like these like more laid back right or have not, a not sort necessarily of a, simple but like you know well done well done I can't draw like this at illustrating rea- doing reality yes, I mean that was a, what is he a beautiful reality yeah because a beautiful know, peaceful reality especially when it comes to Wendy a real mother is the most wonderful person in the world Disney is so good at kind of bridging the gap. We've talked many a time with many of these mm-hmm. films between the very cartoonish and exaggerated and the very realistic. And you can tell with some of these characters, Wendy and Tinkerbell, there is a lot of live action reference, the way that they had used oh, yeah. with, uh, like, Alice. Yeah. Different During, kind of animation. I would I would even venture to say, we haven't finished all of his movies, the movies yet while he was no. alive, but every movie that they did that Walt Disney was alive, somewhere there is a black and white live action video footage of yeah, that movie. Yeah, of somebody... That they Use for dressed reference. up, which that is that being said, though, like, but Wendy, like the way she picks up her dress and it crinkles mm-hmm. and the layers fall, like it's still very delicate. It's and wonderful very to watch, and it, he's still a beautiful animator. Like Ward, yeah. like cattiness aside, no, no credit to Mill Call for sure, especially with Catherine Beaumont's, you know, the, mm. the, the, the facial wit matches the inflection. Yeah, he so really captured her, and I think Peter is a lot of fun too. I mean, despite the fact that his, as a personality yeah, wise, no, stuff to criticize, he is like those like elf, like he's very elf. We are 
He's a, a buoyant character uh, in every sprite. Is it sprite? sprite? He's like sprite. a sprite. Yeah, he's he's absolutely just sort of like airy and always moving and elfish. There's a puckishness. Very, like, yeah, pointed eyes, pointed ears, mm-hmm. pointed smile, pointed nose. You just got a point there. Like, yeah, the very... design. Some of the designs in this movie are quite classic and wonderful. Yeah, and they add you know wonderful images to the Disney canon. We'll shout out a couple more old men. Old school like the old school. Yes. Uh, John Lounsbury is the one that did George Darling, a scene that apparently has been sort of criticized for. The question is, is George Darling too exaggerated? No. And that's my last word on the matter. I mean, I think that between the, the vocal characterization runs a so, great okay, game. Sorry, sorry. Did he do George Darling and Hook or just George Darling? No, Hook was done by okay. uh, Frank okay. Thomas. Okay. okay. Just, just checking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so they ones. had to work together as well because like the stage play. There's a continuity between the faces. That he did that really well because Frank Thomas is Frank Thomas. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of that good character mm-hmm. shtick. And if you have to play the straight version of a good character shtick, I feel like he did a good job. Like the shirt thing rolling up oh and like gosh. the being all huffy. There was so the, much great business. Everything being askew and he's trying to get ready mm-hmm. for this important dinner or mm-hmm. night out or whatnot. I feel like is a very. If you were going to tell me that they were the same guy, like that right. Frank Thomas did both, I would totally get it. Both characters, a great combination of like realistic movement and yet all that beautiful cartoon business all these little things happening at once mm-hmm. and all these great images that are clever that whole cummerbund thing flipping Ugh. up and and it's the chalk on it i mean it's this makes me want to wear a cummerbund well, i mean you can justine yeah, you know can't. how do they know we're not wearing them right now we're full tux for this guys we always dress up for you oh yeah sure but um i mean the, some of those images like that scene or like the shaving scene with the seagull oh dear I never shaved in this close before. Oh These my are God. like weird things to watch as a kid because yeah. we always remember you're watching this when you're young. Sometimes this is like the first time you're encountering like depictions of situations and yeah. you're kind of like, what the hell is going on? I don't know. What is this thing that this dad is wearing and what did he cover it in? Tony Father. Honestly, like the what is it for? Is it so you don't see the buttons of your shirt? I guess I don't get tuxes. I don't get no, but like that, that specifically that like I get the two things or well, I, I don't get why you don't wrap the sleeve the the cuff around. I, I okay, don't get why because you join it with the. I, ideally, it's long. You want to see the cuff so that like it's a I little bit more. Like of a, joining here's it the thing. The... So like your your shirt ends here. Okay. But if the cuff is longer, the cuff ends more here, so it's covered, so it's a cleaner line. Okay. And not just this. Like you know how like a shirt sleeve will like puff, and then there's the cuff. Yeah. So this way it's a it's a, it's like folded back, so it's a longer one. You okay. cuff it here, so it stays, and then oh, and then accidentally if this shows, mm. then it's a piece of jewelry. Okay. Which like men have so many few instances to wear jewelry, so right. like the oh, cuff link is a get. good no exactly it's a good thing. You left your earrings at home, yeah, exactly. Um, I just still don't get the fold and the thing, but the tux well, like, is a to, strange to keep the to keep the shirt not like you know I to keep it in place. I just you know, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna bitch about tuxes in another episode. Uh, sure. What what are, what are the most Tuxes in a Disney movie. Where are the black tie party? Like Rescuers Down Under. Mary There's a Poppins scene thing like the that. Penguins? Maybe. Oh, that's true. That's very tuxy. <laughs> um, speaking of which, uh, we're not doing. Speaking of costuming, oh, we can do whatever we want. That's the yeah. beauty of this show. Speaking of uh, costuming, Tinkerbell. Mark Davis doing Tinkerbell. Here we are in the beautiful uh, sexist fifties. And okay. um, no, I'm gonna stop you right there. Yeah. So <clears throat> I have she a whole rolled thing. up her sleeves. She literally rolled her sleeve. Tinkerbell is not based off Marilyn Monroe. Didn't you just love the picture? 
I did. There we go. We're just going to say it. Peter Pan came out in 1952. Marilyn was not a star until like the no. later 50s, like 56, 57. If anything, Hollywood producers modeled Marilyn after Tink. Hmm. Here's my theory. Little boys effing loved her. How do we make you appealable to the market? We label you after little boys. That's what we do, Marilyn. We're going to dye your hair. We're going to make you blonde. You We're going to set you, you up. Make your dimensions. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Fantastic. Not that they weren't already, but we're going to mm-hmm. emphasize them. You think Marilyn so, was a little more curvaceous than Tinkerbell? No, they were the same. Oh. I feel like. I can't tell from a distance, yeah. I mean, if anything, like, yeah, Marilyn probably had a little more meat on her bones because mm-hmm. she was an actual human, human woman. Being, yeah, exactly. But as close as you can get. Right. Interesting. Very interesting. That's my theory. Well, that would be a testament to the, the, and, the and power people, of Disney. Okay. Also, another thing. We're going to, like, I don't know if I was a fan of this movie growing up. I'm not a fan of this movie currently. <laughs> we'll get to that yeah. when we do the ratings and whatnot. One of my main things is because of my constant um, inner battle of who I need to side with, Wendy or Tinkerbell, mm. as a woman. Oh, sure. Do I like Wendy because she's the wholesome, sweet one who wants to take care of people and is a mother figure? Or do I like Wendy because she's the one who's been taking care of Peter mm. Pan and now is getting zero effing respect? Right. Oh, wait, let's pit those two people who have the same focus of what they want to care for against each other because that's what people do to women. I picked up the mic to say that. It's not Walter. It's J.M. Barry. It's the culture. It's all this blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that it's Disney. He had two daughters. He had a strong woman wife. He understands. However, why the F, are we pairing women like that against each other? Like, just because one has curves and one has doesn't, we should fucking hate each other? Are you kidding me? Stop it. Women need to be nice to each other. Women know that, but men mm-hmm. keep putting us against yeah. each other. It's outrageous. Men like Peter Pan. Damn right. Warren 2020, <clears throat> by the way. Anyway, yeah. she was not modeled after Marilyn Monroe. No. I think nor was Marilyn... Wendy modeled after Audrey Hepburn. Oh yeah, none of that was contentious. Sure. Yeah, but the but the fight was the, modeled the, after no, Wendy the, and Tinkerbell. The hair up, yeah, for well, sure. Yeah, no, this, they, they, they were definitely sides. like it's, it's, those, that dichotomy. it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those mm-hmm. two women were definitely styled after these two cartoon characters and pitted against each other. Wild, interesting. All started um, with Peter Pan when they were developing both Alice and Peter Pan. It's funny. I heard a story where they were they were working on all these movies simultaneously, as we know, after the, yeah. the war subsided and they resumed yeah. production and different um, teams. Right, and so I remember. There was a story about Walt being shown a, a, a like a two-hour presentation <laughs> of Peter Pan prior yeah. to some of the other ones being developed, and him sort of like being disinterested in the end of it, going, you know, I've been thinking about Cinderella, which, as we know, I mean, we love Cinderella. We that love one really came Cinderella. together. She's a she's a feisty girl. She likes Cinderella. That, yeah, Cinderella has a, a great feministic kind of feel to it, the way that the character yeah. is portrayed and all that. Um, and Transcendental even like the strength of the, of, time. The, of the villain. I mean, it's just like it's kind of it's, it's a little bit better. I always think of Alice in Wonderland being like the weird black sheep movie and Peter mm, Pan being mm. like the real beloved movie but both Alice and Peter Pan Walt thought that the characters were a little cold and a little hard to relate to yeah now, Peter is the great problem of this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. because he is an asshole. He's yep. an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a big asshole. Yeah, he really is. Ugh. Oh, Wendy. Is that all you have to say? Everyone else thinks I'm wonderful. And it's like, you kind of wonder who this movie, especially because Disney movies are meant to appeal to younger kids. Okay. 
who but is he going thing, for? Like, here's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. put yourself where 12-year-old boys in the 1950s, mm. that's who that movie was appealed to. Interesting. You're, you're Bobby Driscoll's of the world. Sure. Uh, uh, maybe, but, like, also, we talked about in the beginning of the episode, mm. Walt was a very, like, he was very enthralled by magic mm. and wonder and mischief. Right. To a point, but then he also had that streak of wanting to achieve said things. Yeah. This appealed to that side that he knew that current little boys and or children still had. Mm, interesting. You know, 12-year-old girls in the day are not going to think that the way mischief. that a 30-year-old woman in 2019 is going to think True. about the way that they're being treated. They're going to see, this is the way I'm supposed to be. This is this. This is how I act towards women that way. And I think, to a point, Wendy holds her own. She's still a decently strong character for that time period. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, it's unfortunate that Peter is such a dick. Yes. But, you know, she does feel like, oh, you're going to stay a dick? All right, I'm taking all your army of little boys and we're just going to adopt them all and we're going to leave you. Bye bye <laughs> So, like, she still holds her own. And then Tink sees her errors, too. I, I really, what I wish would redeem this movie a little bit more for me is that, like, of seeing Tink and Wendy working together. Yeah, and saving the day. I would like to see Peter in peril at the end and them swooping in and saving the day. That'd yeah, be just because, it, and I feel like it wouldn't be too outstretched for that movie. No. Or for this movie. I feel like it would. All kinds of crazy shit happens. Well, and that, but like, they're in. both strongish women that yeah. would, teamed together would. Both can fly, so it helps. Yeah, teamed together would yeah. save the person that they mm-hmm. care for. Well. Anyway. This needed a rewrite. I want to say a couple interesting extra things about Wendy. By the way, shout out Ali Johnston, who um, worked a lot on Wendy because uh, he worked on Alice as well. Uh, so he's used to working with Catherine Beaumont and characters. But I want to, uh, you know, the, the name Wendy. This is our little tidbit. Oh, dang. Yeah, the fact that this. this little sucker, that that name really was not an, ex- I mean, Gwendolyn was and permutations were. But the name Wendy was basically not in existence no. prior to the Peter Pan play. The the inspiration thought to be this little girl, uh, Margaret Henley, that was a uh, another child that J. M. Barry was associated with. I, but it, it, I <laughs> think know. this is at the time that he was also a child. Oh sure, sure. Well, she called him um, Friendy, but she did she had a bit of a speech impediment. She called him Fwendy, oh. and they think that maybe that was where he got Wendy from. Oh, see, I misread it, and I thought that he had the speech thing, and her name her name was Margaret, but she was Friendly. Well, you know and what. He he kept saying to his, someone like, oh, this is my Wendy. Sure. One of us is right. And now you guys get to find out. Go ahead. Google it right know. now. Google it right now. No, I, but I, I misread it. Can you imagine if you just decided to name her Fwendy and that was the name? No. Fwendy? I mean. I'm going to say it could be. It's one letter off. No. He was like, you but know. But like he was known for Peter Pan yes. and for creating the name Wendy. Everything the name else Wendy. he wrote was kind of. Wendy, like, I don't like a whole lot of, like, boring girls' names with my no. name being Justine. Wendy's a, you know. It's a little, it's a little out there I in like a nice it. way. Yeah, I like exactly. It. Did I say with Barry that the youngest kid Nico. suspected, yeah, Nico suspected that he actually was completely asexual? That he, um, mm-hmm. he, he said he, this quote was he didn't, he didn't think Uncle Jim, quote unquote, yeah. had, uh, quote unquote, stirring in the undergrowth. I'm going to drop a couple more uh, uh, Barry facts, and then let's get into the the parks and the the drinks. So, Barry liked cricket, but wasn't good at it, and in 1887, (laughs) founded an amateur cricket team. He called it the... No, it's true. He called it the Allah Allah Akbaris, named after Allah Akbar, 
he thought that the phrase Allah Akbar, you know, Allah Akbar, which means God is great in the in the, the language that yeah, he's using, it is, is um, it actually mean he thought it meant heaven help us, and so oh, he God. named his team after that. A lot of luminary writers played on this team, like Rudyard Kipling played on it, and all kinds of stuff. So he had a cricket team. Also, Fine. that Peter Pan so statue. So cricket to the, our American audience mm-hmm. is like a longer version of baseball. Yes, with better you? pants. Yeah, they're dressed a lot fancier. Mm-hmm. But, like, hot girls, sport. like, not as tight. So, like, mm-hmm. better pants is subjective. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's true. Anyway. But, but, really but the longest cricket game lasted nine hours. Girls, wow. like, I know, baseball games, the beer gets cut off at the seventh inning. Mm. I can't, like, if that was the same for cricket, the beer gets cut off at the first day. Yeah. Mm, not mm. as fun of a game. No, you gotta bring nine hours worth of beer. Then there's the Peter Pan statue that you mentioned in Kensington Gardens. I didn't see it. Barry, well, you will go back. I don't know what little kid it's after. I feel like it's Sir George Frampton. No, it's either... Sir George Frampton? It's either based... No, no, I'm sorry. That was the the sculptor. sculptor. Sir George Frampton. Yeah, it's either based off of Jack or Michael. Yeah. Both their pictures are super effing cute, yep. and they look like the drawing, or the, the statue, excuse me. I, I can't tell which one it was. I All I know is that Barry was upset mm-hmm. because the sculpture did not capture Peter's devilishness. Yes, his DV is, is that sort of that streak, that which I would say Disney, Disney did, did capture, so at least there's Disney that. Now, Justine, you were pouring something into a glass. That is a great segue into the one gimmick that we ever came up with for the show (laughs) to differentiate us. Okay, so uh, my lovely, lovely boyfriend and I actually happened to go to this restaurant that I got this recipe from. So the the way I found it, you all know that Ryan is an amazing gift giver for me. He and I get each other, who's actually my secret Santa this year for Christmas, and he got me amazing gifts, which I love. The Christmas previous, he got me this cocktail book about, like, New York based cocktails. Mm-hmm. And in one of these New York based cocktails we used for uh, the Green Giant for uh, oh, oh, oh. Make Mine Muse. For uh, Fun and Fancy Free. Fun and Fancy Free. Oh, yeah, I knew it was stuck. one of our alliteration ones. Yes. And we did the Green Giant one, and it was from this uh, restaurant called Clover Club. So we're looking at this, you know, looking at Peter Pan, and we see a lot of this, like, like, fruity shit. I'm looking at this, or looking up, and I just type in, like, Peter Pan cocktails, and I'm just naming characters, like, because Peter Pan cocktails turns mm-hmm. up like There's green. nothing called the Smee. Captain so. Hook, Smee, mm-hmm. like, or if it is, it's like some, it's like blue curacao and like whipped cream vodka, yeah. which like, under 30, if you want to drink that, you tag us in those pictures. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see you drink that. I can't do that in the next morning. I can't. No. I'm going through all the characters. I type in Tiger Lily, the one who does not speak. Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, we've talked, we've talked about why she wouldn't speak in this movie, because this is what I do this movie. <laughs> why would women speak? <laughs> Especially right. women of color. So this is a cocktail that the um, I saw on the website, and it was on the menu for this restaurant, Clover Club in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. And it was called the Tiger Lily. And it was on their brunch menu, and I emailed them with a long shot saying, like, you know, I'm curious about your Tiger Lily cocktail recipe. See the ingredients. However, I would like to know their proportions. I'm doing this podcast with my brother-in-law about the Disney movies, and I feel like this would be a good fit for our Peter Pan episode. So... This lovely human being named Tom reached out to us and said, thank you. 
It's one of our biggest sellers. So if you're in the Brooklyn area during brunch hours, which I'm assuming are Sunday and Saturday, 9 to, you know, 2. Check your local listings. I'm not 100% sure. Get this cocktail. So the Tiger Lily was created by this lovely woman named Leanne Favreau, uh, or I, I think. And it's coriander-infused tequila. Mm. They, spe- they made a name a specific tequila. I don't know if they want me to say it, so I'm not going to. Mezcal, lime juice, mango puree, or jet, which... Is like an almond simple syrup, and I might not be pronouncing it well, and ginger syrup. Excuse me. Shaked and served over crunch ice with a mango fan. We made this. It was a very labor-intensive drink. Yes. Did we get the mango fan? Did we do that? Yeah, I did. Wow. Bravo to you. It is intense. Yeah, I remember. We were sweating that day. We had a bunch of them. Oh, yes. And we, we woke up six months later. We are recording this on a different day because <laughs> yeah. we had so much Just of them. Just a bit, yeah. So thank you to Tom. Thank you yes. to Leanne. And you're welcome, Tom. And thank for you For a beautiful you. cocktail. Um, it is fantastic. I don't even like mango, and I loved this drink. It's so really nice one. Got me hooked in Mezcal for a couple months. Oh, Mezcal is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in the Brooklyn area, go to Clover Club. Get there. I actually, like I said, I went there with my boyfriend. He had to go to work. We had already had this drink, but then, like, everything happened, and we didn't record the episode. Mm-mm. And I actually went there to go thank her, but she was busy because she was booked for a private party. That's how good this girl is that made this cocktail. Yeah. And, like, we're just, like, amateur making cocktails mm-hmm. we made it following the recipe and it was legit so Delish. i can only imagine how good it is from the source so everybody go on mass to the clover club yeah and that's so, our message um, and it was a great drink and i wanted to like honor uh, like a, an obscure character from the thing not just like a peter pan thing where it's yeah. like it's green liquor tiger lily is another untapped strong female character mm-hmm. another wasted strong female character in the film so just the trifecta <laughs> Exactly. Um, cause let's just get into this thing real quick. Oh, this yeah. whole let's Native American. So here's the thing. Now, um, it's funny because back when we were watching Make My Music, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they had excised a segment in the mid-2000s on the DVD because of gunplay. Now, not only does a pirate literally get shot and die, albeit off screen, mm-hmm. in Peter Pan, oh, yeah, this, this movie's unforgivably racist. Oh, uh, it's the worst because it's the it's incredible how Whoa. completely badly <laughs> the questionable element goes off the rails. It is every stereotype stretched really? and broadened. It is unwatchable. Now, we live in a day and age where a movie like this, you know, could it's Peter Pan. So it's kind of never going to be pulled out of the cultural thing. But yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. Like, why is this not pulled? But like Song of the South is, which I haven't yeah, seen. But well, like, I feel like the main argument for Song of the South being awful. This is just as bad. It's in worse my because opinion. it's animated and so the stereotypes can be even broader than you can force I mean, say, I, a black I, actor I can to even do. say the women don't speak except for yelling and all of the Native Americans are red faced. Yes. Teach him pale faced brother all about red man. Good. This should be most enlightening. Well, they, as you, as you may and or may not know, they sing English? a, they sing are a song. Are there even Native Americans in I, well, I don't know where. Never, Neverland exactly here is. in America. That's right. So, you, or, know, you know, this is John Wayne's favorite Disney Aborigines? movie. What good did that do you? I watch you preach none. But what that commence believes, 
Ain't got no eyes, he can't enter the spirit land. Has to wander forever between the winds. The Aborigines. Well, John mentions the Aborigines in the movie. He wants to see them. Oh, he does? So they're are they all Aborigines? Kinds of, no, I believe they are Native Americans for some reason in Never Never Land, which I guess is, is off the coast of Scotland, right? No, that's where they filmed Harry Potter. Native Americans um, is where we are. Right. No, but I'm saying I don't know where Never Never Land is. Oh. And I don't know how they got there. Like you my, said. It's on my butt. They all yeah. had to see what it actually it was the Bill Andrew Jackson actually redirected of it in Never Never Land. <laughs> that's terrible. Start again. No, the bottom line is it's horrible. It's so literally horrible. and they sing a song called What Makes the Red Man Red. <laughs> Which is like a tall, taily kind of. It's just the guys, if you can sit through the. I mean, it's like, it's a reason not to show it to your kids. That's the time it. Or like, okay, so like, I would use the restroom during this Native American singing scene because it is so awful, it would make me so mad. So. It really takes Peter Pan down significantly. And it was already down in my opinion. Right. So, it's like, just it a movie that doesn't doesn't cut the modern mustard. Mustard! Anyhow. So, <laughs> why don't we talk about the parks, too? Yay! Okay, so, Peter Pan's Flight is a notoriously slow loading ride. I'm not... Why? I don't know. I feel like because it doesn't stop... Mm-hmm. And kind little kids want to ride it. It's kind of pretty. And oh, it's very pretty. Yeah, there's the fake there's, ones in there's the night a lot sky of in, the flying is nice. There's a lot of ingenuity in it. Yeah, but I feel like in the way that it's run, it's a continuous thing. I don't know why it's a longer dark ride. I feel like slow dark rides like that. Like if 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 Mr. Toad's was still in well, it's in Disneyland. I feel like that was a pretty slow-ish moving ride. Not as much as Peter Pan. But because everyone loves Peter Pan because of the whole, like, I can never grow up because I'm Peter Pan aspect, a lot of more people ride it. All the lampwicks going to Disney go with a Peter Pan ride and smoke you know while what? they're doing it and go, man, here's our guy. I'm not going to say that, like, my sisters really like this t-shirt company and they may or may not have named themselves after, like, a group in Peter Pan. And I kind of see how, like, those kind of people are problematic. So... Now you know what we are. Now you know what you are. You'll never grow old, Michael. And you'll never die. I'm just gonna say. Sure. I'm not gonna say anything out. I You're the problem. I may or may not have bought t-shirts from you. Your shirts are cute, but also, like, you named yourself after that, and, like, you're also white men, so... That's tricky, guys. Anyway, yeah. Like, it's not that great of a a dark ride, however, but it also is, because... So, it's... In Disneyland itself, it's the only still operational ride from opening day. Oh, that's awesome. The still only one. And they were kind of scrambling to do it, because, to be fair, opening day at Disneyland was a scramble. So... It was sinking in the pavement. When you are... They had this idea of, like, yeah, a dark ride, but we're gonna make it fly instead of being on a track. Like, the track's gonna be above instead of below. Which, like, blew a lot of people's minds. A simple, brilliant idea. Especially in 55. So, the first scene, I know for sure, thanks to the lovely Jim Corgus on Lou Mangello's podcast, has said that when you're flying over the London scene, the cars coming by, a quick way to do that is they had a bicycle track. Bicycle! Hmm. And they just... 
clone the dark paint oh. and put it on, you know, tracks. Wow. So it looks like cars are going back and forth. Yeah. And it's a little just like the bicycle, like glow in the dark paint. Wow. But but because you're so above. You don't notice the illusion. Notice it's that. amazing. I love those little simple yeah. tricks that like you can kind of pick up on, but it still works yeah. in making the world built and stuff. So, is that the only time it's in the park? Is, is, is the ride there? Or? So it's in the ride for sure. And it's in the ride in Disneyland, Magic Kingdom in Disney World. It's in Shanghai and Paris. So the only one, or I'm sorry, in Tokyo. So the only one it's not in is Hong Kong. Kong, mm. which I just watched a whole bunch of videos on Hong Kong parks. Like, we're thinking about starting a Patreon, but we don't want to, like, be begging you guys for money. No. But all this stuff that I want to talk Although about, give like, us some if you have some. Go ahead. No, but, like, all this stuff that I want to talk about that's, like, Epcot or, like, extra for rides, like, I'm so Hufflepuff, I feel bad for charging, but, like, if you guys are interested, like, 25 cents an episode, I might put, like, yeah. extra content out yeah. if you guys are interested. I'm so, Slytherin, so I don't give a fuck, you know, we yeah. just go ahead and just thank you for all your work. But, like, here's the thing. I would need to make sure that it's a dollar worth of content. Ryan knows me. Ryan can vouch for me. I, I will make sure that it is a dollar worth of content. Darn right. For sure. Darn so, too. if you're interested in, I mean, like, I know we joked about, like, Epcot episodes or one before, but we're also, like, well, it costs a lot to, like, host a website and, like, to, to send this stuff and, like, all this kind of jazz, buy their microphones. So, like, if you're interested in that, like, maybe. Yeah. And yeah, the future yeah. is just everybody giving money to everybody else. We'll do the same for yeah. you. Soon as we get but time. also, like, sorry to sound thirsty right now. Anyway. Stay thirsty, my friends. Just just an idea. If no one's interested, then we won't do it. But, like, if you are, I can totally talk about this stuff and do that. Yeah, funny. Sounding thirsty when we're on a podcast about drinking. <laughs> I guess we should kind of like talk about the movie to whatever extent we haven't already talked about the movie because we've kind of got into like you know how we feel about it from an animation uh-huh. perspective how do you it's, like it as a piece of artwork and it's shit? beautiful I find here's what I found you know how like Alice in Wonderland is a little bit more in the stylistic and cartoony mm-hmm. it's got but it's got that very specific feel and kind of yeah, some color Blair. scheme mm-hmm. I found that Peter Pan there's some beautiful stuff but I think that the animation style is a little bit more diffuse the style Styles are not as quite cleanly married when you go from scene to scene. My favorite stuff is in London, obviously in the night sky and flying out. I think that's wonderful. I think some of the character animation is amazing. Stuff like the plank scene is really good, but I think it's a real mixed bag of styles. And so there's not really, it, I don't look at this as one of the most artistically impressive. Yeah, no, Disney I mean, movie. yeah, I guess that's more When story. they're flying out the window and over the thing, it's iconic, yeah. it's yeah. beautiful, they put it on the cover. Exactly. But, right. you know, it's a lot of different, it's a lot more cartoon. It's mm-hmm. a lot more kind mm-hmm. of random colors and throwbacks to like Fantasia with the mermaids and cartoony characters mixed with real characters. And it was just one little quick thing I forgot. Yes. I always forget about Philhar Magic in Magic Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Because we forgot about it in Fantasia and mm-hmm. I think we had to add it. In. There's a Peter Pan scene in oh. in Philhar Magic where like Donald Duck is flying through Peter Pan like and they're going through like, Second Star is Rain, Strand to Morning. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> like, but with Donald Duck doing that as well, Wonderful. I just wanted to add that in. Like, it's kind of a part of yeah. the rise in Disney. And then as well, like, I wanted to touch on when, okay, so this movie came out in 52. 53. And, excuse me, this movie yeah. came out in 53. Disneyland opened in 55. Mm-hmm. So, between then, there was this series that wasn't sanctioned by Disney, but it was like a ice capades kind of thing. It was like Disney ice capades. Mm-hmm. And they had these, like, popular Disney characters, because Disney hadn't licensed them yet. They were, like, dancing around on ice and doing the skinny thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, very entertaining. When Disneyland opened, the Ice Capade show was already gone. Mm-hmm. They wanted those characters be available for, like, the opening day. So, like, they used a lot of the costumes from Disney Ice Capades for the opening day. Oh. So, the Peter Pan costume from Disney Ice Capades mm-hmm. was worn by a woman. So, in the opening day, mm-hmm. Peter Pan was a woman well, at Disneyland. I am woman, hear me roar In numbers too big to ignore that's fantastic. Not just that, throughout the 50s, throughout the 60s, not until 1970s was there an actual man playing overlaid with some some women, sometimes a man, sometimes a woman. It wasn't until the 80s where it was officially always a man playing playing Peter Pan in the Disney parks. Isn't that crazy? It, it is crazy. Well, also, I mean, because it ties into the fact that, you know, from, oh, yeah, from Mary Martin on, yeah. it's Peter Pan is traditionally played by a woman. Uh, Mary Martin, actually, because the, the, the um, I guess it was like a t- TV thing, or it was like a, a stage show. But, you know, uh, this is, I don't know too much about it, but I mean, it's just one of those things you can kind of shorthand. Mary Martin was the lady that was famous for kind of originating the Peter Pan role yeah. in that way. And he, she was actually contacted to potentially play the voice of Peter Pan yes. when they were in production, which would but have been like, a real crossover thing that Disney didn't usually do. Yeah, and I think, I'm not sure of Disney's, like, or of Walt's, like, reasoning mm-hmm. of sticking with Bobby, like, and we'll, and we'll talk about Bobby in a second. Mm-hmm. I, I know we talked about him a, a bit in in the in Melody Time. Melody Time. But, I know how he ended if But in case you like are just watching or listening to mm-hmm. prominent episodes, we'll talk about him in a second. Mm-hmm. But like, I wonder if he was like trying to just like build up Bobby as like the next big thing. I love how we put a clip in at the end of the last Alice in Wonderland episode where it's it's the Alice in Wonderland TV special. It's supposed to tie in and Charlie McCarthy's there. And Catherine Beaumont has this very awkward and contrived segue of, oh, well, let me introduce you to Bobby Driscoll. Now, he, Bobby's been around since Luana Van Patten was mm-hmm. a Mock Shirley Temple. Mm-hmm. Basically, Disney... Here's he, the thing. That he obstinacy really, where he's, like, very faithful to his crew yes. and his people. Yes. I think he really did want to stick with Bobby until he was maybe a star. And it didn't work out that way. I wonder if, like, personalities started to crash mm. at this point. Because, like, Bobby is now 13, 14, not a little, not a little boy anymore looks like he's in getting his eyes. Ego. And then you give him this part where it's, like, the egoist, fantastic mm-hmm. part that a little boy can have. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine? You're 13. Mm-hmm. You've been doing Disney shit for a while. Mm-hmm. You're like already a, like a big ish name, and then yeah. Disney gives you Peter Pan I as know. a part, and you have to say his lines and embody them. Girls talk too much. Yes, girls talk too. Uh-huh. Oh. Well, get on with it, girl. Uh, my name is Wendy. Uh, Wendy Mora Angela Dawson. Wendy's enough. Bobby Driscoll, as you may have recalled, yeah, fella died of drugs in total obscurity, age 31. So, like, this is the last, like, Disney thing that he did. It was was Peter Mm -hmm. Pan. Which, gosh, to go out on that when it's supposed to be your big bow? You mean big bow is a, like... I mean, like, this this had to be... If Bobby Driscoll wasn't a star before Peter Pan, which he was not, this had to be the movie it was supposed to make him. Oh, so not big bow is in, like, final curtain call. Big bow is a, like... in, like, kind of, like, a more opening kind of bow. Yeah, it's like... Like, the big trumpeting entrance. Exactly. For, For real. 
real. And like, I can't imagine what it would, I can't imagine being that famous Mm -hmm. in this time period Mm -hmm. and then being a child on top of it. I don't know what his family life was like. I do know that, like we've said, by the 70s when they were doing a retrospective on Song of the South. Yeah, Song of the South, they were reuniting. They were trying to reunite whoever was there. They contacted an old address and ended up just being his mother's house. And and his mother had to tell the filming crew that like. He had passed away years ago. He passed away years ago with a drug overdose. And it was not in the news until then. You should imagine three years from being a headliner of a Disney movie at the peak of Disney to having it take three years for the public to realize you're dead at 31 of drugs. Tough life. Now, I, what I will say about Bobby Driscoll, God rest his soul, is um, you think about like Pinocchio's actor and stuff. I don't know that I would call Bobby brimming with talent. He's not Catherine Beaumont. He's a bit wooden. I can see there may have um, been some restrictions to his thing. ability. Yeah. I'm gonna say like we're not gonna see Song of the South. Like I'm not paying money to to see that to some like scalper. You can describe it to us. You can describe it to us. I'm also not even if it's released on the new Disney Plus. I'm not gonna pay Disney to see that movie. No. Like I'm not gonna condone. No. That. We're not going to support 70, 80 year old uh, races. I barely condone Splash Mountain, and the only reason I like Splash Oof. Mountain is because of the drop. The other Disney movies that Bobby Driscoll was in, the Jim Hawkins in Treasure Island. Did you know Captain Billy Bones? Bones? Billy Bones? <laughs> what ship did he sail in, matey? He was a pirate. And the oh, other yeah. live action movie that he was in. If Ryan and I ever decide to do live action ones, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I can't speak to his acting talent. However, like the way that child talent was treated mm-hmm. was atrocious. Am I surprised that he killed himself? No. Am I sad? Of course I am. It was a talented human being that was not given his worth. I don't know what his family life was like. I haven't researched it. I'd like to hope it was decent. But the fact maybe that they he, found a Driscoll's fruit. The fact that he was a child actor in their fifties and the mom was pushing it uh, leads me to believe that it wasn't so take care of your kids if they want to be a star mm-hmm. do what my mom did and like fake driving to a bunch of auditions and being like oh it's closed uh, you missed it so that you're not Corey Haim this is important Tinkerbell original <gasps> Manny, Manic Pixie <gasps> Dream oh, girl, yeah, right? That. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, what do we think of Tinkerbell in terms of? Okay. You go first. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't really have an opinion on Tinkerbell. I think we've we've talked oh, about. Her. She's so cute. Because you like her, but you don't want to say you do because Aaron hates her. Well. I love Tinkerbell, obviously, <clears throat> but I also love Wendy. I don't think that they should be pitted against right. each other. I there was this game when I was growing up called Pixie Hollow. And you could log on the computer and it was free at the time and you could do all these different adventures in like different areas of Pixie Hollow. Like mm-hmm. there was the winter area, there was the fall area, there was this area. Yeah, yeah. And you collect things and make things and like do stuff stuff on the computer. And it was based on Tinkerbell and her friends that were also fairies. You could meet Tinkerbell in the Pixie Hollow area. Tinkerbell starts off like the whole like Disney Sunday night thing. It's boom, Tinkerbell, little words come up, Disney presents. She is just as iconic as Jiminy Cricket. Quite iconic, yes. She even sense. transcends her movie. Like, people love Peter Pan for whatever reason. I know what reason. It's because they're men and they want to pretend that they can mm-hmm. be kids forever. I don't want to grow Yeah, I want to be a kid forever too, but I also know how to be a fucking grown up. Damn right. You know who you, you are. Guys. No, you don't. You don't know who you are because you're not yeah. living, listening to an intelligent podcast with a woman. You probably speaking. tweeted out hashtag not all men on something today, guys. Yeah, you Come did. on. Come on. Fuck you. Look in the mirror. Magic mirror on the wall. Who now is the fairest one of all?
The magic mirror. Here's the thing. I'm sorry about how heavy this Peter Pan episode is, yeah. but I'm also not. It's just, it's so problematic for how it now is. Exactly. And if you don't want to listen to it, then fine. Ryan and I will do this until we're blue with zero people listening. Damn right. That's fine with me. Goodbye. I love that you're coming on the gates charging this episode, Justine. I, I think am. That you've turned uh, the stove I don't even remember what I, I was it. talking about because I'm so worked up about how much I hate the character of Peter Pan. This movie, maybe not, but this character. Exactly. Women against women against women. Mm-hmm. I am not for. Nope. I'm not Peter for. Pan. I am not for. Well, we're rating it out of, uh, is it Lost Boys? Yeah, I think that's the All best All right, we've got our whole, we've got a cage here full of And we're not even going to talk about, like, the way Barry, like, in the actual story, like, hmm. where, like, the Peter Pan character, like, once boys were becoming, like, older than him, he, like, fought them and, like, murdered them. Oh. Not in that way we're going to talk about Lost Boys. We're not murdering any Lost Boys. We're just talking about No, we are just stacking them up. But, like, he completely like tried to make up. sure that he was the top dog in all situations. Situation. So, like, if another lost boy was getting up in the ranks, he nipped that in the bud, according to the Barry story. Okay. Well, just so you know. another way that Peter Pan is just a, a, a um, irredeemable so, tyrant. Yeah. Please go first, because I'm really struggling. Oh, okay. Well, I was actually going to give this one about a three and a half. Okay. Because I do, I, I think the sexism and the racism is a little bit too unweighted, especially mm-hmm. the racism. Mm-hmm. The movie is a little stylistically diffuse, like I said. The tone is up and down. I, I think it ends up a little lighter. The motion is a little less impactful. Mm-hmm. Not, not a great movie, but a lot of fun, a lot of classic moments, a lot of yeah. stuff that, you know... It's worth watching. Yeah. It's hard because I understand why this is such a classic movie in, like, mm. Disney lore. However, it's hard to give it a rating above a two, in I my opinion. You. I absolutely feel you. There we go. This cocktail is fantastic. Yeah. So just, like, keep drinking it. But I... I some... It's hard. It's hard because I understand why people like this movie, especially Disney fans, because it's like, oh, Peter Pan is, like, always wanted to be a kid. Mm-hmm. We're, we want to always be a kid. We want to be in the Disney parks. We want to, like have fun and yada yada but maybe the people that I follow that say that that are like under 20 that's fine you can be under 20 and say that more power to you but I'm above 30 yeah I enjoy being a kid but I also enjoy being a kid without being a fucking douchebag yeah so I like a lot of this movie I love that it introduced us to Tinkerbell I love that the darling mom is like strong I love yeah. that Wendy is strong uh-huh. I wish that Wendy and Tink bonded more together being like hey I'm strong hey I'm strong this little boy let's is a this kid's ass this yeah, mean let's, kid's ass or let's teach this little boy a lesson so yeah. he learns how to respect people mm-hmm. Because Wendy's clearly doing that because her brothers are decent human beings. They are. They're well behaved. And for the few moments that she's with the Lost Boys, they they turn like they step up, man. They turn and follow her immediately because they're Twitter. So faded. she no, I don't think it's the Twitter. It's faded. not just the Twitter. I think it's because it helps. No, I think it's because they lack structure with Peter. Oh, Pan, that's true. And yeah. they get that with her. The helping hand that guides you along. Whether you're right, whether you're wrong, your mother... The undisciplined crave structure, you find. For sure. Mm-hmm. And and they get that with her mm-hmm. because she's... 
has to step up as a whatever year old, not young enough to live in a nursery, but not old enough to be like on their own yet. Right. They they see that and they say like, yes, I I would rather be with someone like this as opposed to someone who is willy nilly. Yes. So it's really hard. It's really hard to be like, I like the movie, but I hate the story because I love the animation style. I love Tank. I love the majesty that encompasses Peter Pan and that Walt takes, but I hate the effing story. There you go. So I'm going to say Two Lost Boys. That's all right. I've given worse to worser films. And I true. know this is a film that is beloved and you guys may unsubscribe. Please don't unsubscribe. But you know, what's Please great don't. about this, Justine, is that we are taking, you know, we, we like you said, the future is here and you you know, despite the fact that Disney has this way of creating characters and images that just stick with you mm-hmm. and you love them forever for, you know, you don't even have to think about it. It's cool to turn a fresh eye to these things and say, you know what? This just doesn't work. Yep. And you cut out the chaff and you keep the wheat and make it into real good bread. And then yeah. that's that. So that that. so to all of you listeners out there, especially the, the, the younger men, Grow up, but we love you. Grow the Thank f- you so up. much. If you found us, stick with us. We're putting down the tent poles and yeah, we have a lot of really exciting stuff coming. That exactly. hopefully, when we've released this, that exciting stuff has come out or is about to come out. Mm-hmm. Like this is the first foray. Mm-hmm. Like, thank you for being so you decent for to us. We will keep being as decent as possible to you. You can find us where all the places, all the places, all the places. We look forward to seeing you next time for Lady and the Triumph. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, yeah. tune in and uh, take care. And uh... see you real soon. <laughs> in my bed at night, I don't want to grow up. Nothing ever seems to turn out right. And I don't want to grow up. How do you move in a world of fog that's always changing things? Makes me wish that I could be a dog. Well, when I see. Price you pay, I don't wanna 